When we share someone's story here on The Diaries, the episode might end, but their story doesn't. So many of the people we've talked to, they've gone on to do incredible things. They have epic adventures and make significant impacts in our community. Over on Diaries Plus, we're catching up with some of our former guests to see what they've been up to. I recently sat down with Connor Ryan, a Lakota professional skier from our Sacred Slopes episode, who's been knocking out groundbreaking projects ever since the episode aired. It's really incredible. We had a great discussion about the impacts he's made, what keeps his fire burning, and taking ski lessons as a pro skier. Here's a snippet of the conversation. All the source of joy that I use to fill my cup to be out in the world doing positive things comes from my relationship to the outdoors. And so I've really focused on like, wow, like there's so much power if I can give one person the relationship to the outdoors that that I have through skiing. And maybe that will have as profound of an effect on them as it's had on me. To listen to the full episode, use the link in the show notes to subscribe to Diaries Plus today. Yeah, you get more shows, but you also have a peace of mind of powering what's out there right now, keeping us moving forward, keeping this community together. So thank you for everyone who supported and everyone who's going to support. We appreciate it. at the top of lava. I really want to run it. That's really big. It's so big it's making me nauseous. I can't even sit there anymore. But I really want to run it. This is Abby Holcomb. She's 12 years old in the recording. Now she's 13. And she's sitting at the top of Lava Falls, the most notorious rapid in the Grand Canyon. This is a legendary rapid. I mean, I am not a kayaker, I am not a paddler at all, and I know about Lava Falls. Abby's talking into a GoPro and trying to decide whether to kayak through the massive whitewater. And before you jump to conclusions, it's not an accident that Abby found herself here. She's a rising star in the world of kayaking, and she thought about this moment for a long time. I feel like if I don't run it, it'll be like unfinished business, and I'm not sure I'll be able to get on a trip right away after this since it took so long for my parents to get this one trip. This is a crazy moment. I mean, I think we can pretty much all relate to it on some level. And I don't want to miss that opportunity, but at the same time, I really don't want to run it. That moment or decision, when we look up at the next pitch of rock we're about to lead, or we look down at the line we're about to ski, a section of white water, whatever it is, it is this crazy moment where we are given the opportunity to walk right up to our fear and pick that fear apart and analyze it. And it's not just in the outdoors. It doesn't just happen there. The scariest decisions I've made in life weren't anywhere near the mountains. They were centered around love, family, work, and principles. And I often reflect back how much my time in the mountains, the constant evaluation of true risk to reward, made me better at making those tough life decisions. Growth is scary. But that's one of the greatest gifts that the outdoors gives us. 
Today, our producer Jen Altzel brings you Winnebago Warriors, a story about two parents who pushed through their own fears in order to live their dream and in turn taught their daughter to do the same. At its heart, this is a story about making good decisions. Sorry, a moment of unprofessionalism? I have to say, I love this story with my whole heart for so many different reasons. Go, Abby, go. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. exactly live in a house in the suburbs with a white picket fence. No, we live in a 24-foot-long Winnebago with a huge trailer on the back full of kayaks, and we've been doing that for the past three years now. Abby and her parents, Peter and Kathy, always traveled a lot for adventures outside. But three years ago, the Holcomb's lives looked a lot like a lot of outdoor families where they lived, in a house in Boulder, Colorado. Here's Peter. We were coming back from Utah one day, and Kathy had the idea, like, we're spending a lot of time driving back and forth from all these great places. What if we sold our house, bought an RV, and instead of driving back and forth to mow the lawn and do the laundry, what if we just stayed there and we went from one place to the next place to the next place and skipped the whole going home part? Here's Kathy. We dreamed about it since we first met when we were 20. We'd go on two or three month trips and it was always our favorite thing. She kept bringing it up and I thought, well, that'd be really neat. That'd be awesome. That's kind of like my dream. But that's not what you do as a responsible adult. We got a mortgage and a kid and all this stuff. Finally, I was like, you know, we just need to do it. It's time to just try it and figure it out. We've always talked about it. We've always dreamed about it. We owe it to ourselves to see what it's really like. I don't want to get old and fade away wondering if that was something that could have changed everything for us. I started really thinking there might be some merit to that. And I was like, what the heck? Let's try it. A year after Kathy broached the idea, she and Peter put their house on the market. It sold in two and a half hours. I went out the next week and drove down to Texas and bought our first RV. We had two weeks to pack up our whole house and sell things and do that whole nightmare. And we hit the road. Now we're on the end of our third year. And gosh, we've been over 100,000 miles and been to 49 states, a lot of Canada. It's been amazing. It really has been a dream come true. Okay, here are the answers to your first round of questions. Kathy and Peter work as photojournalists. Even when they lived in Boulder, they traveled a lot for work. It wasn't a huge leap to take their jobs with them on the road. Abby goes to school online. Yes, her parents did worry about pulling her out of public school, especially Kathy, a former middle school teacher. They worried about what would happen to her social life. But Abby says she has more friends now than she did when they lived in Colorado. You'd think that my friends would shrink 
but not only do I have my friend base in Boulder, I also have them all over the country from where I've met. They also worried that she wouldn't get a good enough education. But all three of them say that, actually, she's learning more on the road than she could have hoped to in school. She's captained 80-foot schooners in the ocean. She's found gold in the American River where the gold rush started. And we've been to Alaska and watched grizzly bears outside our RV window. She's learning what she needs to learn. She's learning how to communicate through technology, which is really getting her prepared for the future. And the experiences that she's had on the road are something that you couldn't get any other way. What do you hope that she gets out of growing up this way? I hope that she sees Peter and I chasing our dreams and watching them come true. When we were living in our house, we were always compromising because we had the weight of a mortgage and the weight of all this responsibility and the weight of doing what we thought we should be doing. And once we decided that we needed to do what we dreamed we could do, we pulled it off. And I want her to see that she can do that too. Whatever her wildest dreams are, to chase them and pursue them and not stop until they come true. And if she can learn that out of this, we've done a good job as parents. <laughs> Once they moved into the RV, Kathy, Peter, and Abby followed good weather to rock climbing and whitewater kayaking destinations in pretty wild places across North America. Abby started competing in freestyle whitewater kayaking events. Occasionally, they'd park the RV for a few days or a week and go backpacking or paddling in the backcountry. Then, in 2016, after eight years of putting their names in the lottery, Kathy and Peter drew a permit for a private trip on the Grand Canyon. They pulled together a six-person team. The Holcombs, Izzy, a woman who owns and operates an outfitter and guide service out of Boulder City, Nevada. Ron, Izzy's uncle, the scout leader with a permanent smile. And Doug, a classic Idaho oarsman who's done all of the great western rivers, but would never tell you if you didn't ask. Abby, Kathy, and Peter would bring their kayaks. The other three would row two rafts and carry supplies. Peter had kayaked the entire canyon before and planned to do so again. Abby and Kathy would have the option to ride the rafts through any of the rapids they didn't want to paddle. In late June, eight months before the Grand Canyon launch, the Holcombs paddled Idaho's main salmon, a two-week river trip with 10 solid Class three rapids. Kind of offhandedly, Peter asked Abby if she thought she could kayak the whole 100-mile stretch. She told him she didn't know. But the idea stuck in her head. And on the third day of the trip, after she'd made it through some of the bigger rapids, she announced that she wanted to try. A week later, she had paddled every rapid of the main salmon. So that kind of got in my head, and I was like, okay, we have this Grand Canyon trip coming up, and if I can do 100 miles of the salmon, why not 280 miles of the Grand Canyon? This is crazy. 
but maybe not as crazy as it sounds. Abby started kayaking when she was four. She's placed well in a lot of the events she's competed in. In 2016, she was named Junior Women's Freestyle Kayaking National Champion. So the idea that she might be able to paddle the whole canyon wasn't entirely unreasonable. It just started getting more of a dream and just bigger and bigger in my head. Hey, Abby, where are we? We are at the Grand Canyon! <laughs> and we are about to do a almost 300 mile river trip. What are you thinking right now? I'm so excited and I just wanna get on the water and leave and just go. <laughs> what do you think it's gonna be like? I think it's gonna be a lot different than we expected. You know, like you hear like the big rapids or whatever and I don't think they're gonna be that bad. Are you nervous about anything? Some of the bigger rapids, but like I said, I don't think they're going to be that big of a deal. All right. Driving into Lee's Ferry, you cross over the Colorado River and you look down off the bridge and you can see all the boils and swirls in the water and it's so green and pretty right there. And then I think another really high moment is the moment in a kayak you're sitting on the bank and you get in and you put your skirt on and you kind of slide off into the water and that's when it all becomes real. It's like, wow, we're going on the Grand Canyon. We're about to do one of the best things ever. It's like the river trip of all river trips for North America. Abby took off charging down the river, and I almost had to reel her back in. I was like, hey, you got to wait on the rafts. They're a little slower than we are, you know? And we started the day off at Lee's Ferry, and we've gone kayaking all day for 10 or 11 miles, and we're here at Soap Camp, and it's just so exciting. Is there anything else you want to say about the first day? This whole trip, it's been like, I haven't comprehended that we're launching. It's been a month till we're launching. It's like, whoa, and it's been two weeks until we're launching. It's like, whoa, and there's been one week until we're launching, and then one day until we're launching. It just struck me today, like around noon, that it's like, wow, we're in the Grand Canyon. Like, this is huge, this is real, like, we're here. <laughs> okay, so tomorrow, we've got some more rapids. We're probably gonna get into the Roaring Twenties. Yay! A bunch of rapids stacked up. Are you excited? for more big or bigger rapids. I'm super excited for big wave trains. The rapids we ran today, they were big, but they weren't hard. So like they could be more challenging and the waves could be totally so much bigger and I would still have a super fun time. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye, Abby out. The section of the Colorado that runs through the Grand Canyon is big water. Big enough to earn its very own rating system for the size and difficulty of the more than 80 rapids that punctuate the 225 mile stretch downstream of Lee's Ferry. Other white water is rated on a scale from class one to class five. The scale for the rapids on the Grand Canyon goes up to class 10. It's not that the rapids are more difficult to navigate than on other rivers or that they necessarily have higher consequences. They're just straight bigger. Eight miles below the put-in, the river starts to flex its muscles. At mile 17, House Rock Rapid can dole out a beating to inexperienced rafters. But size and maneuverability allow kayaks to skirt the biggest features. 
For miles 20 to 30, a quick succession of rapids known as the Roaring Twenties gives boaters a taste of what's to come. But after that, for the rest of the first week, the rapids stay the same size or smaller and can lull paddlers into a false sense of confidence. For the first week, the Holcombs and their group settled into river life. Kathy and Peter gave Abby her own dry bag to pack, and Abby took great pride in finding her own campsite each night and setting up and tearing down her own tent. She remained unperturbed about mashing through the massive rapids in her tiny boat. But everything changes at mile 77, day 8, the first Class 8 rapids on the river, starting with Hans. Hans was first, and I looked at it. I was nervous for it. So I went through that, and then we had Horn. It's hard for rafts, but with the maneuverability of a kayak, you can kind of avoid some of the bigger features. And so I'm starting to notice this pattern, and we finally get to granite, and that pattern does not continue on with granite. That was the first time on that trip that I'd seen fear in her eyes. We walked up from the scout trail near these tamarack bushes, and they're like over your head, so you can't really see anything. You just hear this thunder of the river, and you pop out of the tammies into the boulders, and you get your first glimpse of this rapid, and it's just giant and churning, and it's like the size of Greyhound buses. I was like, wow, this is pretty big. I'd paddled this rapid before a number of years ago. I thought maybe it would look easier over time, but it was still pretty big. I didn't really want to weigh in on what Abby thought. I wanted to hear her work through it on her own. And you know, obviously I'm there as the parent and I can say yes or no if I didn't feel good about it. But she sat there and she looked at it and she looked at it and I saw tears rolling down her cheek and she was quiet. And she's walking up and down the rapid looking at everything. I'm just sitting there crying it down and <laughs> thinking of my options and I'm totally capable. It's just so scary. Then finally it gets real and it's like, my parents, it took them eight years to get on a trip. This was my mom's first trip. It's like, I can't just miss this opportunity and pass it up. Finally she came up and she's like, okay, I think I want to run the left side. And I'm like, well, let's look at it. The left side looked easier to Abby because the water moves a little slower and doesn't look as big. But Peter could see that the line had higher consequences. More things she could conquer head-on underwater if she flipped, and more things that could pin her boat. And we looked at it, we talked about it, I was like, no, I don't really feel comfortable with you running left. And she's like, well, where do I go? And I was like, well, you gotta go right, and you gotta go down the normal line. That's like, why it's the normal line is because it's a good way to go. And she got more tears in her eyes, and she kind of locked up and got quiet again, and she took off, and then she came back. She's like, okay, tell me what you're thinking. Peter told Abby his plan and offered to run the line in one of the extra kayaks so she could watch once before she had to decide. And I was at the top and I'm like, okay, make this look easy. Don't screw this up. And so I dropped in and had a really great line. So I walk up and she's like, let's run it. And I was like, do you want to look at it, talk about it anymore? She's like, nope, I'm done looking at it. I'm done talking about it. Let's go. We get in and there's this other group that pulled into the camp above. And they said something kind of flippant like, Oh, that little girl's gonna run granite. And she just kind of looked at him. She's like, yep, I'm gonna run it. And these guys are just kind of dumbfounded watching her get in this like little five foot pink kayak and paddle off to the top of this giant rapid. Out of the corner of my eye, I see these guys running down the trail to watch her go through it. 
So I got in my boat. I started to drop into granite. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? You ready, Abby? Okay, we'll go down the first tongue. Always try to ride the things, the waves. Got it, let's go. Okay. And I got the second wave and I flipped. When she flipped the first time, I was like, oh man, this is a horrible place to swim. And you know, she would have been fine. She's wearing a PFD and she's in a dry suit and she's got all the gear to make that safe. But it still would have been a bad experience. And then I rolled up right away. And I was like, oh great, she's up, awesome. All the work we've done has paid off. And then she got flipped again shortly after. Another big wave just crashed on her and just knocked her over. There for a second, I was like, wow, was this a good parent move or a bad parent move? And then right as I was like, okay, I'm clear, I can roll. There's this one hole that I was scared about and I could feel myself just go through it. And I was just like this big pounding and I just felt my boat like almost sink, it felt like. And then I was like, okay, I know I'm through that hole. There's nothing behind me. And by that point, I was, I was under for a long time, it felt like. It felt like at least in a minute, but I'm sure it wasn't. I was like, okay, if I miss my roll on this one, I'm pulling. Like, I can't hold my breath any longer. And so I was like, I don't really want to swim. Okay, here I go. I'm rolling. Roll, and then I came up, yeah. and Dad's like, paddle to the Yeti! Come here. Paddle to the other side. Get the Yeti. You're good. You're good. She came up, and she had that Woo. look of almost fear. I'd seen it okay, a million times on. as her going from a tiny little kid kayaking the smallest yeah. little wave that might have splashed her in the face. She has this look like, am I okay or is this fun? And there's a moment there where you don't know if it's awful or if it's the most fun thing you've ever done. And she rolled up and she had that look for just a half a second and then it went to the biggest smile. And I knew it was like, wow, she just had a life-changing moment. Awesome. <laughs> Way to hold in there for a good roll. Give me a five. Oh, uh, maybe five seconds. We no, watch. You hung in there. You did awesome. You want to do a second lap? <laughs> Can I get an ice cream once we get out for that? <laughs> you get ice cream. Yes, you will. Can I get my own Lindsay container for that Absolutely. one? Absolutely, you can get whatever you want. That was that huge. Do I <laughs> no. You did good, but you should never do that for something you want. You should do it because you no, want to do it and you think it's fun. I, I didn't think it was fun, but I really wanted to do it. Were there moments where you were watching her in that rapid and like, oh God, did we make the wrong decision? I elected to walk around Granite. It wasn't a rapid that I was interested in running. It was big and scary for me. So as a parent, it was really difficult to let her go through something that I personally wasn't ready to rise to the challenge of. She's a really good kayaker. So I wasn't worried as much about her safety as I was if she were to be in one of the rapids and end up swimming it, how that would impact her confidence. And so I'm pretty sure I had tears in my eyes as I watched her go down the rapid and then just jubilation as she rolled up. And I felt like I was watching this movie of my kid who's trained and practiced and prepared for this moment 
to struggle and then shine so brightly through the whole thing. She persevered through something really hard and scary and did a great job at it. And that's really what every parent wants. What makes you want to paddle the whole Grand Canyon? I don't know. You're not going to get rich from paddling the whole Grand Canyon. Just you're, to say I did gonna, it. You're not going to get famous. No. What's the draw? I feel like I'm starting to get older and I can't just get away with like, I surfed this little itty bitty wave and I still like that look of like, whoa, you did what? That kind of just sets a little fire in me. It's like, oh, I still want to be that cool little kid or cool teenager or whatever that's running rad white water even though it's not the biggest white water in the world it's pretty big so you feel like you're doing this just to impress other people no I kind of feel like I've always felt like I can't run it like it's so big I just can't run it and I kind of want to prove myself wrong and run all the big ones okay. cool. Say, when I'm in the Grand Canyon, I feel... When I'm in the Grand Canyon, I feel joy and happiness and just a fun time. I think I feel that more now that I'm through some most of the big rapids except for lava. Like, sure, I have lava, you know, it is, it is what it is, it's there. So, lava is the big rapid of the Grand Canyon. Like, every kayaker knows about lava and how scary it is, or that's what I've heard about. That was the one I was really nervous about on the trip. And so it was really surprising to me to like go through granite and like all those big rapids. It's like granite was massive and lava's the notorious one. Like, oh no, I'm in for it. You know, you're trying not to think about okay. it, but you can't help it. It's the morning of the day that we're gonna run lava. We are packing up the rafts and packing up camp. And we're cooking omelets this morning and bacon, which I'm pretty excited about. That sounds so good. I'm definitely nervous for lava. What do you think the chances are of flipping or swimming? I think the chances of me flipping are pretty high, but the chances of me swimming are pretty low. So. There's this long beat in and you get up there and you can't really see it. It's like a horizon line. It just drops off like a waterfall. But you get out this little beach and you scramble up this trail and onto this kind of rocky point and you can look down on the whole thing. And it's like looking down on the valley of death. <laughs> and. I look back at her right as soon as I can look down on the rapid and I see her reaction and I see her just go numb and I'm like, well, what do you think? This is lava. And she just didn't even respond. And so I sat there and I cried and I looked at it and then I thought about it. And I've kind of learned just to leave her alone, let her walk back and forth and look at it a bunch. And she did that for a long time. I mean, like hours. And I was like, you know, this is kind of the same as granite and I would have really regretted it if I wouldn't have ran granite because I knew I was capable and it might have been scary and I might have flipped a few times but I, it was totally worth it. She came up and she's like, okay, I know where I want to run it. Let's go, I want to go right now. And I was like, okay. Okay, so I've been looking at it for maybe 30 minutes to an hour. It keeps on getting better and better. It looks better and better anyways. Maybe I'm just adjusting to the huge size, but 
We're walking down to go run it right now. And so we drop in and I look over my shoulder and I get flipped myself. And next thing I know I'm underwater and I'm like, oh crap. I probably just made it way harder for her because she sees me flip and she's gonna think that she's gonna flip there. Oh, I just blew it. But then I roll up as quick as I can. I get back online, I look over my shoulder and I can't see her. And she's in between these giant waves. You know, there's like a moment where you black out and you can't see above it. It's like you're in a valley. And so then I come up on the next peak of the next wave and I look back and yep, she's there and she's online, she's paddling. I'm like, oh good. She goes through it pretty much better than I did. I ran lava! Yeah! Woohoo! I ran it! I ran it! I ran lava! I did it! I ran it clean! I didn't even flip! Ah, I ran lava! I just felt so happy. I was like, this is the easiest rapid on the whole river. That was awesome. And of course, it wasn't the easiest rapid of the whole river, but I was just so excited and happy that I finally overcame this big hurdle and... I knew then that I totally could paddle the whole canyon. It's neat to go with your kid and have them conquer something so big. And I hate to use the word conquer because you don't really conquer rivers. You you hope to have a tie. But for her, she conquered a lot of personal things and challenged herself in the outdoors, which is really what I want out of this trip, is to give her these experiences where she can really grow and shine and, and do things that, that will teach her a lot of stuff about herself. A few days later, all of the rapids were behind them. But the Grand Canyon wasn't over. 30 miles of flat water separated the party from their takeout at Pierce Ferry. They'd planned to split the distance up into two 15-mile days. But the forecast on the second day called for 30-mile-an-hour winds with 45 to 50-mile-an-hour gusts. The rafts wouldn't be able to paddle through that all day. If Abby really wanted to say she kayaked the whole Grand Canyon, she'd have to keep paddling and not jump in the raft. And so we decided to just do the last 30 miles and bang it out in one day, which was pretty brutal because the wind was still pretty bad. We had a couple of storms that came through that had big gusts and big rumbles of thunder. And so, you know, the rapids are a minute and the 30 miles of flat water is eight or 10 hours. And so it's a perseverance thing. And when you're 12, that's tough. For Abby, who loves being on white water, I think that actually might have been the hardest part. There is a couple of times where it's like, oh, I'm just so tired. I want to go get on the raft. And then I'd paddle over the raft and I think about it. And it's like, I just ran through granite and lava. No way am I getting out in flat water. <laughs> that was the part where, as a parent, I really had to support her and keep her entertained and play games with her and tell stories and make jokes and try to pass those long, long hours. So it was maybe the hardest part for Abby, but the most fun time together. It's like a horse in the home stretch. On March 28th, the Holcombs and their team paddled up to Pierce Ferry. <laughs> She's like, 
okay, can we go do it again tomorrow? And I was like, wow, 25 days in the middle of nowhere, and she just wants to go right back. And that's an extraordinary thing. The National Park Service doesn't keep records on the age of river travelers. But the Grand Canyon Historical Society thinks that there's a very strong chance that Abby is the youngest person to have kayaked the entire Grand Canyon. She definitely holds the record for the smallest boat ever paddled from Lee's Ferry to Pierce Ferry without any swims or portages. she grew up a lot in the canyon. She was a fully participating member of our trip. And I hadn't seen that before in her. And she's carried some of that with her off of the canyon too. She's still a 13-year-old kid, but I think she wants more independence than she's ever really wanted before. She's ready to charge out in the world and do anything. She's like, oh, I can go get the groceries. No, no need to help me. I've got it. Thanks. <laughs> I think she's got a lot more confidence and she compares a lot of things I'm like, well, it's not as big as the Grand Canyon or, you know, this, that, and the other. But I think overall she's learned that she sits down, thinks about things, breaks it into little pieces that she can do almost anything. And I think you can apply that to everything in life. I think when we pursue sports that are inherently risky, we learn about ourselves and we learn the difference between perceived limitations and actual limitations. And when you can filter between when you're afraid because there's danger versus afraid because it's intimidating, you can apply those to anything in life. And so by giving Abby these experiences, we hope that she's learning the difference of just being fearful and being able to read real dangers. Okay, so outside of even kayaking, what do you think this teaches you? I think it teaches me that there's nothing stopping me and I can do anything. Diaries is made possible by the good people of Patagonia. You know that, and you also know, I'm sure, that they care a lot about protecting our public lands. I think you also may know that the Secretary of Interior, Ryan Zinke, asked for public comments to help determine the fate of 27 national monuments. We've told you about them in our stories on Bears Ears and Katahdin Woods. Over two million people spoke up, and 98% of the people that spoke up, they were in favor of maintaining those national monuments. Today, the initial reports suggest that Secretary of Interior Zinke basically ignored all of those. He says he cares about public lands, and yet 
He's recommended Shrinking Bears Ears, Grand Staircase, Escalante, and Cascade Siskiyou National Monuments. So if he cares, let's start holding him to that. Find out more at Patagonia.com. Additional support comes from Kuat Racks, makers of a better bike rack. Check out their lineup at kuatracks.com. Kuat, because you love your bike. And support comes from Vossen Brewing, a Richmond, Virginia brewery pouring quality craft beers and pursuing their passion in hopes to inspire you to follow yours. Learn more at vossenbrewing.com. You guys, the listeners, you also make this possible. Thank you so much for all your incredible donations through the years. A huge thank you to Abby, Kathy, and Peter for sharing their story. The Holcombs are still roving their country in their 24-foot Winnebago. If you run into them at the crag or at the campground, say hi. Or follow their adventures at famagogo.com. Famagogo.com. I know it's still summer, but believe it or not, just around the corner awaits fall. And it's about to get darker. And hopefully not with bad news about national monuments. Sorry, I'm going there and it's about to get darker, much darker. So it's time for you to send us your tales of terror submissions, scary stories. If you got them, send them in. Type it up 500 to 1,000 words. Please keep it tight. And email it to editor at ducttapethinbeard.com by the end of September. Go to our website and click on Write For Us tab for more information. Music today from Bradley Carter, Publish the Quest, Ken Christensen, Jason Tyler Burton, and Little Glass Men. The tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artist at our website, dirtbagdiary.com. This episode was produced by Jen Altschul. Becca Cahal is our executive producer. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.